G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Good morning, Phil Edwards here. Nice to be with you and big thank you to Robbo for filling in for me last week. And I'm glad you've joined uh, in this morning. Do stick around, some good conversation is coming. My guest and co-host here with me in the studio today, Pastor James Snare. He's been around a little bit, born in Hobart, grew up in Melbourne, lives in Brisbane today. I wonder what else is in the story. Good morning, James. Good morning, Phil. How are you doing? Very good. Now, you're a fascinating kind of a guy. So you're in ministry. I don't want to let all the cat out of the bag here because I'm going to tell your story a bit later on this morning. Sounds good. But uh, you've got a really interesting background, James. You've come through this uh, multi-denominational pathway to get to where you are today, the pastor of a Presbyterian church. Uh, but at one point, you were probably best described as a, as a Bapticostal. Is that about right? Uh, my early journey into the faith was through a Bapticostal sort of background, and that's where uh, I was for yeah the first maybe seven years or so of my journey, and then sort of uh, went on a wandering path through a few different denominations and different places to that shaped me theologically in all sorts of different ways before uh, landing in a pretty thorough Reformed place and, and yeah. ordained Prezi now. Yeah. It's really interesting, though, that, that whole thing of the labels we like to put on ourselves, mm. and and we need to be able to find, you know, I guess the true waterline as far as what's sound doctrine or sound theology. But I think sometimes we might sort of replace that with the label and mm. and wear the label with pride, and I reckon that's maybe a problem. What do you what do you think? Yeah, we talk about this a lot actually when we are bringing people into church membership at our local church. And we always say that we are all about making disciples of Christ, not making Presbyterians. That <laughs> we are a Presbyterian church and that informs some of the stuff that we do doctrinally. But yeah. ultimately what we hold to is the apostolic confession uh, and for people to uh, focus on Jesus is what we're really all about. Mm. Well, looking forward to hearing your story a bit later on uh, this morning. Just give us the quick snapshot right now. What's the elevator pitch? Who is James Snare? Sure. So I'm currently the minister at Living Church uh, in Brisbane. Uh, we're a Presbyterian church, like I said. Uh, we've got uh, a great mix of old and young people and kids in our church, which is just a continual encouragement to us. Uh, but my wife is Fiona. We've been married uh, coming up for on 19 years next month, and we've got four kids, uh, a girl and three boys. Okay. How old? Uh, 13, the oldest, and seven is the youngest. Okay, so get your hands full at home. Always full, yes. <laughs> Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Great to have you with us wherever you are. My guest and co-host today is Pastor James Snare. He's from Living Church in Carina. That's a suburb in Brisbane. But as we'll hear a bit later on uh, about his story, he's kind of gotten around and lived in lots of different places and I guess had different Christian experiences as well, James. We're just talking about... You know the whole journey through different denominations and things that uh, that you've had. What about communion? We're going to do that very shortly. What's your been your personal journey been with? I guess understanding what communion is really all about. Yeah, it's been a great one in lots of ways because I think that when you work through the Lord's Supper and what it means to celebrate it together, there's all sorts of different uh, important biblical ideas that are connected to it and different 
uh, angles that you can take towards it. For me, coming in as a kid who never grew up going to church and didn't really have any sort of experience with that as a child, to all of a sudden experiencing that uh, in a bunch of different denominations and how they do it, it's given me lots of chances to reflect on the meaning of it. And actually, not too long ago at uh, Living Church, we actually did a mini-series looking at the Lord's Supper and baptism and the significance of those sacraments. Uh, and so, yeah, it's something that I'm greatly thankful for that I've had a chance to think about it in lots of different ways. How do we best prepare ourselves leading into a communion? Because it's one of those things that sometimes, you know, if you go to a church, maybe you don't think about it too much and then it's there on you. Uh, you know, we've got a moment right now to think about it, prepare our hearts toward communion coming shortly. Mm. Well, as I'll say uh, in a little bit, I think there's two big elements to it. One is to think about our relationship with Jesus, because there's an element there where when we participate in communion, it's a proclamation of the Lord's death. Uh, but the other thing is also to think about our relationship to the body of Christ. And mm. uh, that's very much in the original words that Paul gave to us when he talks about what he received from Jesus. Uh, and I think those those two big things, thinking about my relationship to Jesus and my relationship to the church. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And right now we get to do something really significant together, and that is to take communion together. It's an important thing to do. Jesus uh, told us that we should, whenever we... Eat and drink, do it in memory of him and to proclaim his death until he comes again. And uh, right now, Pastor James is going to lead us in communion. So if you've got some elements, have them there. If not, just lean forward, be part of this and bring your heart. So uh, James, it's over to you. Well, good morning, everyone. Again, it is wonderful to be together now in this moment to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So friends in Christ, hear the words of the Lord Jesus. From Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The Lord's Supper is an awesome opportunity for us to think about our relationship with Jesus and with one another as believers in Christ. And so to help us understand that, I just want to direct our attention to uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 18 to 21, which is right before the part where Paul introduces the Lord's Supper and explains what he received from the Lord's Jesus. Uh, In there, we learn that the context in which Paul spoke these words and wrote them down for us was actually one of division amongst believers at the meal that they were celebrating. And he explains to them that when they come together, and Paul is kind of flabbergasted by this, uh, he says there are divisions among them. There have been differences amongst them, and they don't realize that they don't have God's approval in this. So when they come together, they're not actually eating the Lord's Supper because they're just doing their own thing. They're having their own private suppers. And as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. And so Paul rebukes them for this. And it's in that context that he actually explains to them what he received from the Lord Jesus. He says that, On the night he was betrayed, Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance for me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's the first part of what he wants to focus on. That's the part where he is directing them to think about all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. And he says that in some ways... Participating in this ceremony is an act of faith. You're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. But then he goes on to say, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. 
For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And it's really interesting the way that he uses that phrase there, the body of Christ, because he's going to go on in chapter 12 of this letter of 1 Corinthians to talk a lot about the church and call it the body of Christ. And he's already begun to address the context that was happening in the Corinthians church where there was division amongst the body of Christ. And so when we come together and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, there's a vertical element where we're thinking about our faith in Jesus, but there's also this horizontal element where we're thinking about our relationship to one another. And we need both of those things to be in accordance for us to celebrate the Lord's Supper well, faith in Jesus and love for one another. So with that in mind, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together now. If you have your element there that represents the bread with you, then you may now take it. And as the Lord Jesus said, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat now the bread. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink now. Well, now let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us. We thank you that through his death on the cross, he has paid the price for sins once and for all. And through his resurrection from the dead, he has conquered death eternally. And we thank you now that all who believe and trust in you have eternal salvation and also a family forever. And we thank you for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This this is Vision Christian Radio, helping you look to God daily. My guest and co-host this week is Pastor James Snare, who's had uh, quite an interesting and varied background, which we're going to find out about right now because uh, it's time to tell a little story about who is this man sitting across the desk from me this morning. Let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? So I was actually born in Hobart. Turn uh, this microphone on might help. Where were you born? I was born in Hobart. Uh, so mum was from Hobart, dad was from Launceston. For Tasmanians, it was a mixed marriage. I know that can be a big deal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we uh, were there for the first few years of my life, uh, but actually then moved to Melbourne when I was just about school age. Okay. All right. So uh, are you, you game to say when that was? Uh, so yeah, five, I was five, so that was 1987. 87. Melbourne, yeah. 87. Okay. What do you remember from those times? What, what was life like for you as a kid? Yeah, so very typical, I think, middle-class Aussie background. Mum and Dad had sort of both gone to Anglican boarding schools but hadn't really carried on with the faith or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they didn't make that a particular emphasis growing up or anything, but I did go to- You didn't find yourself in church at all? No, hardly ever. I mean, maybe if uh, the school was doing something for Christmas or Easter, I've got a memory of walking down to a local church from from school one time. What I do remember, though, is the uh, religious instruction teachers that would come in. Uh, I can remember a few of them, actually, but I remember two in particular uh, because their names were Jason and Kylie. And back in 1987- They were big names. They were big names with uh, (laughs) neighbours and and that. What was their hair like? Uh, Not quite the full 80s style. This was a little bit later, so we were into the early 90s here. Uh, But they they were great. Uh, They played basketball with us at uh, break times and hung out with us. And I don't remember what a lot of what they said, but I remember just really enjoying them and appreciating them and, and what they did for us. You know, I've got the neighbours theme in my head yeah, now. Excellent. Thanks very much yeah. for that. Yeah. I grew up just around the corner from them. Where oh, they, really? Where they film neighbours, oh, yeah. Okay. Not far. On Ramsey Street. Well, it's not actually called Ramsey Street, but well, yeah, it's yeah. there. <laughs> it's, it's like all things in television. It's actually not what it that's says right. on the on the tin. But anyway, that's yeah. a whole other story. And I know television has a bit of a connection to, to you as well, which we'll get to very soon. 
Um, where were you in the family? You had brothers and sisters. Got one brother who's eighteen months younger than I am. So okay, that made, pretty close. You know, in, yes, in, close in age and often intense. I think when boys are that uh, <laughs> age gap, it's just old enough to be competitive, but also as the older brother, you're also always old enough to get ahead. Yep. Uh, so my, my brother, and I think he's in therapy now. He's fine. No I'm kidding. Uh, He's uh, doing well and, yeah, but the eldest of the two. Yeah. And when you moved to Melbourne, how old were you? Yeah, so about five when I moved to Melbourne. Okay, so still still pretty young. Um, what was the teenage years like for you? Because they can be pretty tough for some people. Yeah, no, I think overall I had a pretty positive uh, teen experience. And my, my parents, uh, they're, they're great. I love them. Uh, they were always there for us and had a pretty good relationship. So I think I had people to – to talk to and good support systems and that sort of stuff. So uh, certainly I had the same sort of challenges that everyone comes to is just sort of figuring out who you are and dealing with insecurities and uh, certainly had lots of stuff to, to work on. So I don't want to pretend that I had it all together or anything like that. Mm. Uh, but for the most part, I think compared to some, I, I came through well. And it, it's funny. So again, I didn't actually go to church or anything, but Jesus seems to have been this thing that was there in the background. I remember one time getting like a cross necklace that I would sort of wear. And if people asked me about it, I'd be like, well, I don't, you know, Jesus died for my sins. I respect that. Didn't really mean anything to me beyond that. You didn't really understand it. Didn't really get it, but yeah. sort of like the, the imagery of it and yeah. the, that sacrificial idea. And so that was, that was there. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed school, uh, did pretty well and, and uh, enjoyed my time there. So I'm always curious when I hear someone like yourself, you know, you had some Church exposure, shall we say, mm. but never really sort of involved or committed. But here you are today, you're a pastor. Mm. So something happened between those two. Well, where did it start for you, yeah. that journey? Yeah, so I think it was uh, there's the background stuff that God was doing and then there's the very direct thing. So the background stuff was uh, I'd gone through high school and I'd, I'd actually skipped a year. And so I kind of had a year up my sleeve to play with before gap years became a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and I actually enrolled in an exchange program and went to the US. Okay. Uh, Whereabouts? So in middle America, Wisconsin. So right up north, doesn't quite border Canada because there's a big lake there, but you know, it's that far. In the middle of winter? Uh, middle of winter was when I touched down. Wow. Uh, I think I had like a padded shirt, was the warmest <laughs> clothing that I had. And they got there and looked at me like I was insane. And yeah. uh, so got me uh, rugged up and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they were a Catholic family. And right. so they would go along to mass every Sunday and I was trying to be respectful of them and living with them and that sort of thing. And so I'd go along and uh, oftentimes I'd be still recovering from the night before. And so I'd be holding on to the pew to help me stand up straight. Uh, <laughs> but I was there and I was getting, again, just this exposure to it and a little bit of an idea about where some of that stuff comes from in a particular context and learning a little bit about it. I even went to confirmation classes because uh, that's that's where the girls were. So, you know. <laughs> which became a bit of a theme actually for God in my early years in terms of my spiritual development. But uh, yeah, went along to that. And then, so that was the background. Came back from America, uh, had had this experience and it was a resettling process after being away for a year and this big journey by yourself at mm -hmm. 17, 18 years old uh, and then resettling back in and started university at the University of Melbourne uh, doing art, studying philosophy, looking for answers. And... One day, uh, this uh, pretty American girl came up to me and asked if she could share my table. And seeing this pretty American girl, I said, yes, of course. Uh, she said, I've got some friends. Can they join us? I said, doubly yes. Amazing. Uh, she went and she brought a guy back. And I was like, that's not what I was thinking about. Uh, but cool. No, good. good to but, you know, he was American too. And they started talking to me. And at one point, uh, he said to me, so are you like spiritual at all? And all of a sudden, I was like, hold on. 
American Southern kind of accents, talk being real friendly. Now talking to me about I'm spiritual. I know what you guys are. You're you're missionaries, aren't you? Like, I, but you know, okay, give me the spiel. Like, sure, I'll I'll listen. Whatever. Mm. Uh, and an hour and a half later, I was saying the sinner's prayer. Wow! And giving my life to Jesus right there on the spot. Wow! Just explain that hour and a half. Yeah, absolutely. So they started telling me about Jesus, and I, I must have heard this before. Uh, in some of those religious instruction classes I had at school and that sort of thing. But they explained to me that when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying for my sins. And I just had never quite joined those dots before. And, you know, again, there was some stuff going on in my life. I was sort of being convicted uh, of not meeting my own moral standards. So God was definitely doing some stuff. But when they explained to me that the cross is how Jesus deals with my sin, something about that rang like a tuning fork in my heart mm. where all of a sudden it made sense. And it was almost like a a, a sense of relief and what I now understand to be that the Spirit of God just washed over me in that moment and the sense of peace and just uh, wanting to to grasp a hold of that sense of the possibility of forgiveness. Mm. Uh, And so, you know, I I still had a bunch of intellectual questions and and so I was rest. So I had that initial, you know, emotional wave, I guess, but then what about this? What about that? And sort of bringing up these different tasks and i think that's that's what took the 90 minutes so you know i something rang true but i still needed to at least process some stuff Mm. and they did a pretty good job of answering those questions at least to the point where i was like okay i guess you know something's going on here and we organized to meet up uh the next day and then a few days again after that and and that was the start of them really leading me through the scriptures and teaching me the faith uh fundamentals so they walked the journey with you for a while they did yeah for the first few weeks so it turns out they were actually uh from the states helping plan a church uh that was going to be connected to melbourne university uh and so those guys walked with me for those first few weeks and they handed me off to the guys that were actually leading that brand new church Mm. i love the way they opened the conversation asking you are you spiritual yeah that's a great question yeah really good really good question so where where to from there because i mean university is not really the place to go to get discipled you know as a christian was it hard for you? It was really interesting. I mean, Melbourne Uni is kind of famous uh, in lots of ways for being probably a bit more progressive than, than most. And mm. uh, so there was a lot of political activism, a lot of anti-Christian sentiment from different spaces and that sort of thing. But there were certainly Christians there who were serious about their faith and so got involved in some of the student university ministries that were happening there and really thankful for the, the friendships that have carried forward from there also. Uh, so I really found the community that I could wrestle through a whole bunch of different questions with. Uh, and certainly my my parents, for them, it was a bit of a shock uh, to all of a sudden have me coming home saying, yeah, I'm really serious about this Jesus thing. And that was something like I'd mentioned earlier, they'd, they'd walked away from to a certain extent. Uh, and so that was kind of a lot for them to process and that sort of thing. Uh, but like I said, I think, uh, funnily enough, my studies actually helped me in all sorts of ways. So I switched my major from philosophy really to English and history because I felt like I'd found the answer I was looking for in philosophy. Right. But so many of the skills that I learned in English and history and learning about the history of the faith and the history of the Bible and understanding how to work with the text, all that stuff was actually deeply enriching the, the skills that I picked up there and I still use them to this day. Mm. Now, I understand since then you actually uh, worked in a university ministry. Yeah. Was that while you were still at Unity or at uni or later? Yeah, so became Christian first year at uni, was involved in student ministry while I was there, uh, and then right after graduating, uh, got engaged and so kept uh, Not to one of the girls from America. Not to one of the girls from America, oh, okay. no, from uh, <laughs> a, a lovely young woman who I met during at a prayer meeting. So there you go, that, that spiritual <laughs> development. 
Uh, of course, you went to the meeting to pray, right? That's right. That's yeah. what I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, we talk about multiple purposes. I think that's good. Uh, but I ended up getting married that first year out and then raised support to go back and actually make that my job to be doing university ministry, which okay. I did for about three years. Oh, good stuff. You mentioned earlier when we were chatting uh, that you understood the concept of grace, but you didn't really get it until something happened in your life. It was kind of, I guess, moved from that cognitive space of, oh, yeah, I get the concept to, wow, this is actually real. Mm. What happened? Yeah, so as I said just before the break, uh, was serving Jesus as a university student minister, very young, very little training, uh, full of zeal and really cared about what we were doing. But it became apparent over time as a early married, still sort of newlywed person, that I still had a bunch of baggage and stuff that was unresolved in me and lots of insecurities. And as much as I loved the Lord Jesus and was looking to serve him in ministry, there was also a bunch of stuff driving me that was a need for approval and insecurity mm. and a sense of needing to prove myself and looking for affirmation and affection from people instead of just from Jesus and not really understanding how all that fit together. And it got to a point where I had some sin stuff going on uh, that when I confessed it to uh, the ministers at that church, they didn't, I don't think, have a really great understanding of grace either. And so uh, they came down on me quite hard, and it led to a really difficult period, which ended up with me having to leave that church and leave that job. Mm. And it it was as though God had just taken away everything that I'd been holding on to for my sense of worth and self that wasn't him. Uh, my job, my church community, uh, lots of friendships, you know, cut off in an instant. And as I was listening to uh, different preachers and, and podcasts that were just starting to pick up some steam and that sort of thing, and they were preaching about grace, having lost everything in that moment and really feeling like I'd hit rock bottom, to understand that God loved me exactly the same, having taken away all those things, now that I wasn't serving him in ministry and preaching and, and doing all these things that I thought made me special, now I realized that all of that stuff had not changed how Jesus felt about me one little bit. And it was always by his grace that I was one of his people. Mm. And that realization was just huge. So I, I had to go through a very painful experience to, to get there. But while I regret my sin, I regret the, um, the, the loss, the, the gain that God brought me through and helping me to understand that properly has, has shaped my life for the, the rest of the way through. Mm. Uh, so, it, yeah, I'm thankful. It's amazing how those things do shape us. Mm. Uh, we don't like them. We don't like you know pain and suffering and all of that. But mm. I think all of us would say, yeah, we've been through something. It shaped our character, and that's mm. what the scriptures tell us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we talk about that a lot. You know. So James uh, in chapter one. James says, chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. Consider it. You know, pure joy, my brothers, to face <laughs> trials of many kinds, for the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, so that you be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And I hold on to that still. Mm. One of my favourite passages of scripture. Yeah. yeah. So good. So where to from there, James? Because, again, you know, you're a pastor today. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm guessing you went to some sort of theological training or, or something. Or- yeah, so not immediately. I definitely needed some time away to learn and to grow. And so I actually ended up in Foxtel's business department, took, took a casual job, got okay. off a permanent one, got promoted a couple of times. Uh, and so really just had to learn the daily grind of actually what it looked like to have a job and to learn to take care of my family well and – uh, just be consistent with the things that are right in front of me. Did you have a passion for media or anything? I, or I mean, my, just... my dad was a journalist, so I actually quite enjoyed the media industry okay. and really enjoyed that. This was not this was the less fun side. This was the business side. I was doing a lot of spreadsheet work. Thankfully, there were TVs everywhere, so that helped. <laughs> or distracting. Uh, yeah, you know, but uh, for the, on the whole, it was it was felt like a wilderness sort of experience. 
But eventually, after uh, about three and a half years uh, and getting back into church and um, leading and serving in various capacities, I had a chat with a guy uh, who was actually a, a Sydney Anglican, and he encouraged me, if I was ever going to go back into ministry, that he, actually his exact words were, I wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole until you'd been to theological college. Hmm. So he was an encouraging guy like that. <laughs> uh, love you, Martin. But, uh, well, that, he was straight up and down. <laughs> yeah, straight up and down, un- un- undoubtedly. Uh, but we did. We decided to take a visit to, to Sydney and check out some colleges there and uh, ended up settling on, on more co- at Theological College and uh, made the decision to go and commit to that a little uh, cautiously, especially for my wife as we'd been through some painful stuff and thinking about what that would look like to get back to it. Uh, but made the decision and uh, it, it was an absolutely fantastic experience. Really mm. thankful for it. So the interesting life experiences in there too. You were born in Tassie, uh, grew up in Melbourne, lived in America for a while, now Sydney and and now today, Brisbane. Yes. Anywhere else that we've missed out on? Well, it was funny. When uh, we were, you know, after college, I ended up working in Gosford, so just a little bit further north of okay. Sydney. Okay, north so, of Sydney, yeah. Yeah, so when uh, when I got the, the call to, to talk about Brisbane as a possibility, I was like, man, God's just having us move further and further north. I wonder if this is the next move. But I think we're good now. I, we're not planning. Sure? Yeah, I haven't heard anything from the Lord suggesting we're going to go further north yet. But it was actually funny as a southerner to get to Brisbane and realize, you, you're barely north. Like it, it, it's a, it's just a big country. I know. You know, and you've seen I it on know. the map, but you don't get it till you get there. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Well, you know, if you do pray that prayer, you know, God, I'm, oh, I'm happy to go north, and you have in your mind cans. It may well be Papua New Guinea. You never know. It's, it's true. <laughs> why, why, God's not limited by one nation, right? So. Yeah. You're an interesting character, James, in in a Christian sense. So you're a pastor of a Presbyterian church today, but. You've had a journey through Pentecostal and Baptist churches. You said you went to Moore Theological College. So there's a there's a fair bit of interesting, you know, different stuff in the background there. How's that shaped you? Yeah, I think it's shaped me in a really powerful way, actually, because it's helped me to recognize that while our church government often gets divided up between denominations, we are united as brothers and sisters in Christ, and while we read the scriptures faithfully as believers, we do reach different conclusions at times. Mm. And it's okay for us to organize ourselves differently and to choose to work together in accordance with those differences, but we remain brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the fact that we are family because we've all been adopted into God's family by his grace should give us a shape to the way that we talk about our theology, the way that we talk about denominations, the way that we think about the work that others are doing, and to not be so quick to make our doctrinal preferences the dividing line between who's faithful, Mm. but rather to understand that as we all seek to serve the Lord Jesus, none of us have a perfect understanding, and we hold uh, lightly some of those differences while still holding incredibly firmly to the truth of Jesus as our Lord and Savior who's died and risen again. Mm. And I guess that's the whole sense of, you know, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. You know, it's those things, are the, the absolutes that we need to hold on to, but yeah. <laughs> we tend to hold on to all the other stuff as tightly yeah. as well. It, it's difficult. How have you wrestled with that personally? Yeah. So like I said, it's really understanding those things that are central to the faith. So the historicity the historicity of Jesus who who did die and rise again physically uh, to understand the meaning of that 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 was how he dealt with our sins and how he conquered death that how it's through faith in him that we now receive the benefits of salvation all those really central things the father son the spirit uh, that stuff is central 
But then there's a bunch of things that, while the scripture gives us clarity on everything that we need to know for salvation, it's less clear on matters of practice and ministry philosophy and how we organize ourselves. And like I said, as long as we've got a spirit of generosity and charity towards one another Mm. in not judging one another and condemning each other for those differences that we arrive at, uh, we can actually still seek to work effectively in the spaces that God calls us to. Mm. What's your favorite thing about being a pastor? My favorite thing about being a pastor is seeing people get the gospel and have that obviously first and foremost, you know, come to a knowledge of salvation. Uh, but oftentimes it's just as rewarding to see somebody really grasp again what the grace of God means for us and how we live today and to grow in their maturity understanding. So seeing someone come to salvation is is amazing, but also seeing someone uh, become sanctified, grow in their holiness, grow in their obedience to the Lord, grow in their wisdom and understanding and just see that process take place. Oftentimes, you know, over many years, it's it never ceases to be an incredible blessing that I get to see that sort of transformation over time. Mm. Are you game enough to answer the opposite end of the equation? Because it might give us a good opportunity to know how do we best pray for our pastors or, you know, engage with them. What's your least favorite? I think that my, my least favorite part is is probably the opposite end of that, where you work with somebody and they end up disagreeing over something that, that is central. So again, it, it's one thing to see somebody walk away and, and join a different church because you've got a disagreement over something. That's okay. That's all part of it, like I said. But when you see somebody start to shift on those core essential things and, and to see them drifting away and it's always in God's hands and, and you have to entrust him to it. But on a human level, just knowing I, I can't make this change, but being personally invested and close to it, you, and you, you wonder, could we have said something different? Could we have done something different? Uh, and so I trust very much in the sovereignty of God, but it's hard to watch, mm. and it and it never stops to be sad. Mm. So how about your wife Fiona? You mentioned before, nineteen years married. Mm. Uh, you got four wonderful kids. So, and how's that whole experience, particularly as becoming parents? How's that changed you? I think that the thing about having kids and being married is that there is a complexity to your everyday life that you need to learn how to manage and find the peace of God in the midst of that and bring the gospel to bear upon it. Mm. And so we often talk about in parenting that we're just given gospel opportunity again and again and again in applying the gospel to our kids and to our marriage and thinking through what it looks like to be honest, to be forgiving, to seek to be kind. Uh, and But the challenge is the complexity and the never-ceasing nature of that because we're all sinners living in a close space together and so there's always going to be friction. Yeah, But it's how we learn to... Uh, handle that complexity and, and just be consistent in how we apply what we believe in and hold to. Mm. Thanks for sharing your story, James. Pleasure. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian, Vision Christian Radio. You've joined in at a great time. I hope you've got a cuppa there. If you haven't, uh, you know, we'll let you put the kettle on. And as you listen to uh, some something really inspiring, I know it will be from my guest and co-host, Pastor James Snare. He's the pastor of Living Church in Carina, which is a suburb in Brisbane. Uh, and uh, he's about to give us the best five-minute message that we'll hear today. So it's over to you, mate. Thanks, Phil. Well, about uh, five years ago, a new trend started showing up in largely African-American communities, but since has filtered through uh, through social influences to everyone else in, in Gen Z. Uh, and the trend I'm talking about is people calling their friends and family kings and queens. The idea is that sometimes friend or buddy or pal or bro just doesn't suffice. King or queen is a word that goes a step further than others in proclaiming your love and appreciation. But here's the thing. 
For those who are believing in Jesus, this sort of language taps into something that has a deeper spiritual truth. Let me explain what I mean uh, by starting with Isaiah chapter 11. These were some words that the prophet Isaiah spoke to God's people in Jerusalem after he had just told them that some pretty dark times were on the horizon. The people were going to be judged for a bunch of mistakes they'd made over hundreds of years. But Isaiah says there is still hope. And that hope is tied to this kingly figure who is going to come from King David's family line. So he says at the start of chapter 11, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. Now, Jesse, for those of you who know your Bible, was the father of King David, so that's how we know this king will be a descendant of David. But what I'm really interested in is the characteristics that describe this king. Isaiah says from verse 2, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. This is an incredible picture of an ideal king. He has wisdom and understanding and understands military strategy. And most important, he knows and fears God. He is just and righteous and will judge well, and his judgments will bring an end to evil. Now, these words found some partial fulfillment in Isaiah's time with King Hezekiah, who trusted God in the face of his enemies, which you can read about in Isaiah 36 to 39. But he still wasn't the completely idealized king that's described by these words. Those words are too grand to be talking about anyone except a perfect king. And the only perfect king this world has ever known is Jesus. He was completely just and righteous and wise and knew God perfectly. And he won the greatest victory ever when he died on the cross and defeated death so people who believe in him can live forever. Jesus is the descendant of David who lived up to this incredible description and won the greatest victory the world has ever seen. He began a kingdom that has continued to expand for 2,000 years and continues to expand today. He really is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and one day he will return to judge the earth one last time. But, and this is the point I really want us to remember, When we believe in Jesus, what is amazing is that God takes people like us who are broken and disobedient and who have been enemies of King Jesus and given us his spirit so that we can live in the same way that he did. Remember the words that we used to describe the ideal king back in Isaiah 11? Words like wisdom and understanding and knowledge and bearing fruit and having might and delighting in God. Well, listen to what the Apostle Paul prays for the Christians in Colossae in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, from verse 9. He prays, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus has brought us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. But not only that, but by the power of the Spirit that lives in us, we can also walk in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and power and in righteousness and justice, just like King Jesus. We walk in the Spirit of the King. And so when we call each other king and queen today as a means of encouragement, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are saying something profoundly true. For the spirit of the king is in us. And this means that whatever challenge you are facing today, you can pray earnestly and sincerely to live as a king or queen, to have that same spirit of Jesus and to live wisely and righteously just as he did, because the spirit of the king dwells in us. Father God, We thank you so much for the gift that you've given us in the spirit that now lives inside of us, the spirit of King Jesus. We pray, Father, that it might refresh us and restore us day by day to live lives of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and power so that we may walk in Jesus' footsteps and become more like him in all that we do. We pray for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Great message, James. Thank you so much. And thank you, Phil. And we were just chatting while the song was on, um, and there's a connection there to the Barbie movie of all things, which it just it blows my mind that this movie has been so popular. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, so when I did the full version of this sermon uh, in church a few weeks back, I opened with talking about how Barbie uh, presents these idealized versions of ourselves and that's what Barbie's kind of all about this this idealized version for women to look up to but that's also been uh, painful and difficult for lots of women because they haven't been able to live up to that ideal and we see this in in culture and uh, Barbie pokes fun of you know the ideal version of Ken in in all sorts of different ways and I think that's why the movie has resonated in lots of ways because it's complex and sympathetic in the way that it talks about these different ideas of what it means to be the idealized version and how oftentimes It's our pain and our insecurity and it's our attempt to try and control the world around us that pushes us to strive to be something where we sit above it or to have control or power and all those things fall empty. And it's only really in understanding that any sense of being the ideal version of ourselves is going to be found in Jesus Mm. that actually is is where our hope can be. So we we can strive towards an ideal, but it's not not Barbie, it's not Ken, it's the Lord Jesus. Well, I think we're going to find a dead end on anything other than Jesus, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah, and I think that the thing is, is that there's the cool thing is that there's there's lots of good things in creation that are not bad things to strive for, but you need to understand them in relation to how Jesus wants us to treat them. Mm. So, uh, being good looking, being clever, having a great career, all these sorts of things, they're not bad things, but unless they're actually submitted to the Lord Jesus and we're seeking to serve Him in all those things first and foremost, then like you said, they'll be a dead end. Yeah, there's nothing worse if you're climbing up a ladder and enjoying the experience. You get to the top and realize you're actually up against the wrong wall. Mm, yeah, that's right. You know, and, and yeah. that's that's really you know, Jesus is the right wall mm. to climb your ladder against. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's quite a you know, biblical spiritual picture, but I'm sure it's we'll, not a bad one. I like we'll it. run with it. Yeah, worship, conversation, prayer, and teaching. This is Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Well, we're nearly at the end of our time together on this Sunday morning. Uh, Glad that you've joined us this morning. Before we go, there's one important thing that we need to do, and that's to stop and to pray. And I invite you to be part of this right now. And uh, if you don't mind, Pastor James, uh, leading us in a prayer this morning for our nation. Absolutely. be my privilege. Father God, thank you for this nation of Australia. 
Thank you for the many rich blessings that we enjoy here. Thank you not least of all for all those here who are our brothers and sisters in Christ and who know you truly and who live for you and seek to serve you uh, in all that they do. And we pray, Father, a blessing upon all those in your land here of Australia who know and serve you well. We pray, Father, for the leaders of our country. We pray, Father, that they would uh, know your lordship and that they would fulfill your plans and purposes in this world, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly. We pray, Father, that we would be a nation where the gospel can continue to be proclaimed freely uh, to all those who would hear it. And we pray, Father, that uh, as the history of Australia is told in eternity to come, that it would be a place filled with many rich stories of people who loved and served you well and loved and cared for each other. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming in, being part of the fun this morning and uh, sharing some good stuff with us. Really, really appreciate it. No, thank you, Phil. It's been great. It has been good. You survived. First time in the radio studio. so uh, First you know, time survived. Keen. Good. You never All know. Good. There might be a second. Or Love a it. Or... That'd be great. Well, thank you so much for being part of this as well this morning. Have a wonderful day. I'll catch you again next week. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 